Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get going with today's podcast, I want to talk about a collaboration we have with Glazier Clinics. To honor the fifth year anniversary of the podcast, we have a special sweepstakes together where you can win flight for two, hotel, and a rental car, as well as a Glazier Pass for your staff. To do that, go to glazierclinics.com slash win and enter there. On today's Coaching Coordinator Podcast, I'm joined by a former player who is now working in the CFL. He's the Assistant Director of Player Personnel for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, somebody who I've been excited to watch and follow his career and the things that he's doing, and I'm excited to have him here on the podcast today. So my re- guest is uh, who is from Buffalo, New York, a former Baldwin-Wallace Yellow Jacket. And Richie, it's great to have you here and be to be talking football with you, talking about what you do in this profession. Absolutely, Coach. I appreciate you letting the, uh, the audience know as a former player of yours because they're probably asking why I'm calling you Coach every time I mention you. So um, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I've been excited to get on. So your, your start into coaching, and that was your start in kind of getting into a football career, began in August of 2013. That was your senior year. And we were three days into camp, and it was done for you. So going back to that, that's that had to be a difficult time, making that transition. But what was your thought at that point in getting into it? Was there a thought that you were going to get into coaching? Was that something you were looking at? Because uh, I know you, I believe you were a, a pre-law student. I don't think you were looking at coaching at the time. Yeah, I was, I was political science, legal studies. I was getting all ready. I was studying for the LSAT, getting ready to go to law school. And you know, because you, you lived it with me, you know, that us at Baldwin Wallace, your senior year in college, especially as a Division three athlete, that's the pinnacle of your athletic career. And uh, I, I've been playing football since I was five. I wasn't thrilled with the way I had to go out. You know, it was a career-ending injury. And I said, you know what, I've worked my entire life for this senior year moment of at Baldwin Wallace, and I wasn't happy with the way that I had to go out. So I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give, uh, I want to be a part of the team. And, you know, I asked coach Snell at the time, John Snow was the head coach of Baldwin Wallace at the time. And uh, Tony Niemeyer was the offensive line coach um, at the time. And obviously coach, you were there as the offensive coordinator. I asked to be a part of the coaching staff and just kind of get my feet wet 
in some way to stay involved with the team. I really didn't at the time. I didn't think of it as a career path, but I thought of it more as like, you know, I want to stay a part of the team. I don't want to just be an injured player. You know, I don't want to be an injured, uh, you know, senior that is just watching from the sidelines. I want to be actively involved. And the one thing about being a student assistant coach that year is that I realized fairly quickly that I did not want to coach. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was because it was fresh and I didn't, you know, I was coming literally right off the field and wearing cleats to holding a clipboard and having a whistle around my neck. I don't know if it was fresh or not. I, I wonder what it would be like if I got back into coaching now in my career, but my personality I think always deferred to, you know, personnel and, and scouting and sitting down and cutting up tape and watching film and roster building and identifying traits and uh, those, those types of things. And, you know, so to speak, I think, I think scouts do a good job flying under the radar and their, their personalities are, are fairly uh, quiet, cool and collected. And I think that, that scouting and personnel kind of fit my, my personality. So I am, I'm, extremely grateful for that student assistant opportunity that I had to coach my senior because it kind of not only got me out of a super um, challenging time in my life, you know, ending my football career as a player, but it also helped me. And I think this is important in, in, in identifying what's right for you, so to speak, what's the right seat on the bus for you is that it showed me something that I didn't want to do in the industry mm-hmm. and was able to cross one of the things off the list of things that I didn't want to do. And I think as I went through the year, though, I said, you know what, I want to be around football in some capacity. And even when I was planning on going to law school, I I always wanted to get back into the sport. I wanted to practice law to become an agent. And once my my football career got got jumped off the page a little quicker than I anticipated, I said, you know what, Um, I'm going to roll with this. I'm going to see what comes of it. And I'll put law school on the back burner if I want. I can always go back and and do that. And once I put it on the back burner, I just went off and running for it. And my passion for, for being in the industry just continued to grow and grow throughout the years. And, and now it's, it's, who, it's who I am and what I do. So after John and Tony and myself chased you away from coaching, you went down the block <laughs> <laughs> and you had an opportunity with the, the Cleveland Browns. What was that first opportunity for you in you know, as you look at, I guess, some of those those formative lessons for you, whether that was, like I said, John, Tony, and I telling you, you know, this isn't for you, right? We didn't tell you that, but you saw that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all kidding aside, like, what what were the things that you carry forward, especially in early in your career here, where um, you feel that it's become a big part of who you are? Yeah, I, I think... The great thing about the way my career started, Coach, is that I had to handle adversity at the very beginning. And, you know, I, I truly do believe that if you're going to be in this industry, whether it's coaching or scouting or it's like therapy, equipment, really whatever part of the competitive side of the organization, you're going to be dealing with some sort of adversity. Um, and, and how are you going to react and respond to it? and come out of it. And I think the fact that I I dealt with a heavy dose of adversity right in the beginning with my career ending injury and, and whatnot, and kind of dealing with those emotions while I was being a student, a coach, a student assistant for you guys at BW, I think that helped the concrete foundation needed to really build a career. So when I, I did, you know, have adversities when I was with Cleveland or 
Indianapolis or now with Hamilton or personal adversities while I was working, I was able to always reflect back on one of the the tougher moments of my life and, and see how I got through that. So, you know, I was thankful enough, like you said, to go down the block and have an opportunity to, to work with the football research department as a charting analyst for the Cleveland Browns. I think one of the, one of, one of the cool things about that job is that it was, it was really outside of my wheelhouse at the time, outside of my skill set. And, uh, you know, the Cleveland Browns, they did a great job saying and, 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 and communicating to us that, you know, it's, it's tough to get a, a leg in, the, in in into the industry. And uh, they, they realized that. And they, they, they identified various people throughout the country through, you know, communications, you know, sending in your resumes. And God knows I did that enough, whether it was through mail or email or calling people. I even, I even bought a $800 fax machine that I had in my dorm that I was faxing teams myself because I said, hey, everyone's sending stuff in the mail. Someone's probably doing it through email. And uh, I doubt anyone in 2013 is using a fax machine. So <laughs> I said, maybe my stuff will... Maybe my stuff will get to the right desk if I start faxing it. So I guess I guess the Browns saw my information one too many times. They gave me a call, and after a phone interview and a couple of testing rounds of what the job was going to be like, I guess they, they, they saw something in me. And like I said, they did a great job of communicating that it's tough to get a first opportunity in this league and in this industry. And they used this as kind of an entry-level opportunity for guys to get experience but also contribute to the organization and a project in a, in a, in a high-end area in what they were trying to build in Cleveland at the time. So I'm always going to be thankful to the Browns. Now, I, you know, I, I tell everyone I'm from Buffalo, New York, but I became a man in Brea, Ohio. And that's not only my time at Baldwin Wallace, but that was my, my time with the Browns and my first opportunity in the industry. So thinking back to that time, uh, as you said, not your skill set, you're developing who you are as a coach. Looking at that time, what, what advice do you have to guys who – are getting into this and it might be as a GA, it might be as an analyst, it, it might be as, you know, a limited earnings guy or even a volunteer. Yeah. How do you develop yourself without a huge skill set in order that they want to keep you around? What are the things you you are doing that really make people start to notice who you are and then obviously take notice of your work as well? I think the first thing is to always say yes. You know, when you're asked to do something, even if you don't know how to do it, say yes. And if you don't know how to do it, figure it out. Come through for people. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I think that was, and that still is my calling card, even even to this day, is that, uh, you know, obviously I've developed a toolkit and a skill set, a uh, broad skill set that, cover, that covers, you know, football operations, football administration, player development, player personnel, and scouting, and even a little bit of coaching to go all the way back to balls and walls these days. But, you know, I think, that's still my calling card to this day because it's who I am is that I'm always going to say yes to something. Someone's going to ask me to do something. You know, they trusted me that I'm going to come through for them. So you can bet that I'm going to say yes, even if I don't know how to do it. And if I don't know how to do it, I'm either going to reach out and, 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 you know, counsel with people that I know have done it in the past, or I'm going to figure it out myself using the skill set and the tools that I have. And, uh, you know, through that methodology, you're, you're going to make mistakes. And I'm happy that I made mistakes, and I'm glad that I've made mistakes because I always am able to reflect on those. So, you know, specifically to your question, you know, Coach, you know, advice to guys that all they really have to hang in their hat on 
is that they were a college athlete or uh, that they played ball at the collegiate level. Cause that's all I really had at the time is that I was, I was, I'd like to think I was a decently smart kid and that I, I played football at a, at a great division three program. That's all I had really to hang my head on at the time. So I said, you know what, how am I going to separate myself? And that's going to be always from being uh, positive. That's going to be always trying to find the answer to things that I don't know. You know, when the metaphorical crap hit the, crap hit, hits the fan, you know, people are going to say, hey, I could reach out to Rich Massaro uh, to get it done and get it done right. I know as, as we were talking before we hit record here, uh, one of the, the words that I, I highlighted here you mentioned was the word authenticity, that that was a big part, as you said, of that beginning for you. You didn't have much in the way of developed skill set, you know, stuff that you could bring to the table, but you did have the authenticity. Explain a little bit more uh, about that and expound upon that idea of authenticity. Yeah, I think, Coach, being authentic, I think it's just being confident in who you are. To be real, to be genuine to those around you. It's, it's okay to, to and, and I, it's to, to this day, I still, I know what my strengths are and I don't know my weak and I know what my weaknesses are, uh, but I continue to work on them, uh, my weaknesses, and I continue to work on my strengths and I don't shy away from what my weaknesses are. And I think at the, I, I think at the end of the day, to, to members of this industry that have been, you know, in football for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, the, the, the OGs, the industry, I think at the end of the day, people respect people that try and the people that work hard and people that, you know, at the end of the day, they're not going to be perfect because you're never going to bat a thousand as a coach. You're never going to bat a thousand as a scout. I mean, you, you, we could go through all the drafts in the history of the world and you could always see, Hey, that guy didn't pan out and the team picked him, you know, and there's various reasons why that happens. But I think rolling into a building, rolling into a, a personnel room, rolling into a meeting room and just saying, Hey, when someone calls your name, just uh, having the, um, the conviction to, to say what you believe, even at a young age, um, I think a lot of people take notice from that early on. And that's a, that's a skill set and a trait that I believe, like I said earlier, the OGs, the industry, they always like to cultivate and, and, and kind of continue to grow that person into the skill sets that they can teach, the teachable skill sets. So whether... You got a lot of experience. Or you don't have none at all. You maybe got a little bit. And you're just starting off. I think uh, identifying, you know, your 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 positives, identifying your weaknesses, and not being afraid to to shy away from either one of them. Because I, I do think at times people that know what they're good at sometimes they don't they don't show it, and it's because they 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 they're not comfortable and they're not confident in the authenticity uh, authenticity of what they have to offer. So I think that that's a great trait have early on sometimes it'll 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 bite you in the butt and um but those like i said those are the mistakes that you can learn from and and reflect on going forward and kind of make yourself into a better professional going forward in your role as a director of player personnel as a guy who is going to go out and do all the scouting talk to a lot of people you're going to be on the road you're going to you're going to get all the information that you can in a lot of ways, you were preparing for that, you know, to be a to be a lawyer and, and you know, understand all these different cases and have all this kind of information in your head, uh, have systems of organization and systems of organization certainly are important to the job you do now uh, for you. What's been the best way for you to organize 
all this info you're bringing in on you know 700 some players every single year that you sit in a meeting you got to be able to you know boom spit out that information to them how do you go about that process yeah you know Thankfully, here in Hamilton, we got a great database and we got systems that, that go in and organize a lot of the information for us. But personally, you know, I'm, I'm pretty old school in the way that I do things. I have a, a notebook that I carry around with me everywhere that I go on the road. Um, my, my MacBook Air uh, is, is my best friend. My, my, my Tumi backpack, it sounds, it sounds trivial, some of these things, but it really, truly, when you're on the road, you know, 100 days, 125, 135 days a year. Having a backpack that can help you organize all, all the things that you have to carry into a building, it seems trivial, but it, 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 it helps. You know, when you're in a room and you're, you're talking with pro liaisons and coaches and you got to grab things quickly, to know where those things are at in an organized manner, those, those things help. So you're not fumbling for the information while someone's, or you're not fumbling for your materials and someone's talking. You know, for me, my mind is I'm, I'm blessed in the fact that I think my mind was just naturally hardwired to be super organized. And I bet you some people that you talk to me that have worked with me, if you talk to you, they, they'd probably say I'm a little OCD when it comes to my structure and my attention to detail. And I'll take an extra hour or two just to make sure that the messaging and how the information uh, looks and sounds and is displayed is correct. Because I do think that not, not only is the information itself important, but if it's not displayed in a manner that is appealing to people that are reading it and appealing to people that are using it as a part of, of an evaluation that's going to help your team grow and be better, you know, like those are, those are things that are important as well. So for me, it's color coding. It's uh, Microsoft Word, Microsoft Note. Uh, I mean, OneNote, Microsoft Excel, my Tumi backpack, my, 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 even as, even I go as down to the types of pens that I use. You know, I got certain pens in certain colors and mean certain things. My uh, kind of the, verna the vernacular that I use while I'm writing notes, my abbreviations for words, it makes sense to me. And I think that's uh, one of the things that scouts and personnel, um, when you're first getting into the industry, I think it's important to identify what works for you. Because what works for you doesn't necessarily work for everyone else. And what works for everyone else doesn't necessarily work for you. So identifying what works for you in the way that your mind is, is hardwired. And then obviously doing that within the guidelines of the organization that you work for at the time of the program is a great way to start. And for me, it's how I've been able to be successful, you know, as a personnel executive. When we look at personnel, whether that's someone like you at the professional level or the college coach who's looking at prospective student athletes or as the high school coach, somebody who's preparing his players to be a part of all these processes, hopefully move on to the highest levels. Uh, we can look at all the measurables. We, you know, we have all that data. To me, that seems like the easy part for you. How do you go about evaluating the fit in a culture? What are the things that you're looking for outside those measurables that tell you this is going to be the right guy for our program. Absolutely. And I think the most important thing in that process is not to be looking for anything off the bat. I think you have to sit down and communicate with your coaching staff. 
And you have to know the scheme inside and out. You have to know what each individual position coach likes in their position room. You have to know what your coordinators like holistically for their side of the ball. You got to sit down with your special teams coordinator and find the traits that they look for for your special teams aces on your roster. And you have to sit down and you have to communicate that. And you really have to get to know the counterparts. And I think in, in football, whether it's professional, collegiate, there's always going to be a natural divide, I think, between coaches and personnel. And I think the way that you become in lockstep with each other and work well to be successful is to communicate and even, even to over-communicate, you know, giving off too much information at times. Because, you know, when you, when you go on the road, if, if, if you know, the, the waters are muddied, you don't know what you're looking for, and you don't know what your organizational pillars are and the type of athletes that you're looking for, not just in terms of the skill set, the physical athletic skill sets, but the type of man, the type of young man that you're looking for to add a part to a part of your, your organization, it's not going to work. And I, I tell, you know, guys that we're bringing up to our league, like, you know, that have spent time in the NFL or they're, they're coming to our league right out of college, you know, this is a marriage. And for a marriage to work, you have to communicate and um, it's going to have to be the, the communication sometimes is going to be easy, but it sometimes isn't going to be easy. You got to be passionate enough about what you're trying to obtain, the goals that you're trying to obtain to have those tough conversations as well as the easy ones. So sitting down with your coaching staff and making sure, hey, this is the type of skill sets that they're looking for within their scheme, because there's no point of bringing in players that aren't going to be able to fit the scheme. And I think if you have, if you build those, not only professional relationships with your coaching staff and your counterparts, but your personal relationships. Go out, have a beer if you're of age, <laughs> um, and, and get to know them personally. It all it all helps cultivate a great relationship between your coaching staff and your personnel. To where then you your, your scouts can go on the road and say, you know, whether you're at Indiana or Toledo or you know USC, you can then identify those players in the information gathering session. Uh, with the universities, and then when you evaluate them on film, you could then match their athletic skill set to the the other information that you were given from the uh, the programs, and you know try to continually look for validation in the information that's been given to you to make the best decisions. Whether you know it's for your draft or later down the road if you don't have the chance to draft those players free agency. So I think communication with your with your staff, all the experts that that are around you, is is definitely the way to start. Uh, before you hit the road and, and get out and you're looking for ball players for your team. I know you've been able to establish those relationships around the different places you've been visiting and you've gotten to know uh, some staffs pretty well. I know you, you came through the area here a few months ago and uh, we're going to make a lot of stops along the way. Um, outside of the, the coaching staff, who are the other people you like to be able to ask about You know, a certain player? Are, are there, I, I'm, as an example, I know, you know, recruiting at the college level, you walk into a building, you know, a person who can tell you a lot uh, about that kid is the one who sits in that office all the time and know who's in trouble, know who's doing well, right? That, that, uh, that, that receptionist usually uh, who's kind of man yeah. of the gate is going to be able to tell you a lot about that person, you know, outside of, of the coaching staff. For you, how do you go about, I guess, learning more, again, than 
the stuff that that you can get from your reports uh, all the measurables you know the again going into more of the person where do you learn those things so coach i think one of the the, the most important things in developing these relationships is, is, is that, you know you gotta have the soft skills to talk with people whether they're complete strangers or someone that you've known for a decade you know having the soft skills to to walk up to a complete stranger shake their hand look them in the eye, introduce yourself, and then have the, the confidence to ask the questions that you have to ask to get the information that you have to get and asking it in an appropriate way to, to get the answers that you're looking for. You know, I think going into a building as a visitor, there's always going to be a certain sense of like, you know, a certain sense of, you know, guarding some information. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of the case, no matter where you go to a certain extent, there's not a hundred percent transparency anywhere that you go. I and mean, if you walked in our building, it'd be the same thing and i think getting to sit down with multiple people in multiple departments whether it's the pro liaison who's usually the director of player personnel the director of football operations for college programs or it's the the coordinator head coach the position coach you know i'll even go grab a, a student assistant you know athletic trainer you know the the, the the sometimes the the people that don't think that their opinion is is going to matter to a scout um, the equipment manager guys always have a pulse on, on what, on where things are at in the organization. And like the, the thing coach, you, you probably may, you might've heard me use this term earlier in a, one of the previous answers that I gave, but confirmation of validity. And when you hear about information about a player from one person in your, in your, in a, in a program or an organization, you want to get confirmation that information, that, that information is valid. You're going to go through position coaches. You're going to go through the experiences that strength and conditioning coaches have had. You're going to go through the experiences that athletic uh, counselors have had. And they're all going to give different perspectives from the player because they've, they work with them in different perspectives where, you know, a position coach might have an intimate one-on-one relationship with a player on the field. Your academic counselor is probably going to have an intimate relationship with the player one-on-one off the field. And sometimes those are two different people. And, and it's just like the athletic trainer, you know, that's a, that's a, a an area of, of the building sometimes where, you know, you're dealing with injuries and you're dealing with adversity and uh, you might get a different flavor of the player in that build, that part of the building than you would when they're between the white lines in the field. So I think just putting the book together on a guy coming out, that's, that's your main objective. It's trying to have as much information as you can. You confirm it through multiple outlets uh, that, that deal with the player and, multiple different exposures, and then you have the opportunity to sit down back at your, your program or your organization with 15 or 16 experts in the field, and you guys, you know, debate it, and you go back and forth, and sometimes you agree, sometimes you disagree, and that's how you ultimately come to the best decision for draft night or for, you know, giving a guy a, a high-end free agency contract or maybe trying to find uh, the, the bargain of the free agency period, you know, um, or the bargain of the draft. So I think just going in there and, and like I said, I talked about earlier, authenticity, just being confident in who you are, figuring out and knowing a lot about the player rolling into the program so you can speak knowledgeably about the player uh, and then being organized and obtaining the information, sending it back to the organization, sitting down as a staff and having the, the, the fun debates and deliberations to, to make the right decisions. So it's a, it's a long process that has multiple tens of 20s, of different data points, but all those data points are ultimately going to lead you to the right bell curve. And 
um, or, or a bell curve that's more right than wrong. Because like I said, no, no one's bad in a thousand in this industry. So that's what we try to do in Hamilton. I think that's what scouts all across the industry, whether it's the NFL or the CFL or even, you know, on college programs. Because I know that's starting to be a thing now in, in terms of evaluating prospects at a high school and the transfer portal. I think that's what the, at the end of the day, that you try to do as, as an evaluator is just trying to build a book on a guy, not only his on-the-field skill set, but his off-the-field skill set as a young man and seeing if he's the right fit for your organization or program. Well, I certainly appreciate that perspective you've given into the personnel side of things. And I, I certainly see the value for our listeners out there, whether you're a high school coach and thinking of how you're preparing your young men uh, for opportunities that might present themselves, or you're a, uh, a guy who's out there you know, recruiting at the college level and, and looking for people. And I love that idea of building the book and just the different ways you can find that information. Uh, and appreciate you sharing that with us. And the last question I have for you, Richie, is the one uh, I always ask. I told you, uh, I was talking to you about my favorite book the last time we sat down, Bill Walsh's uh, Finding the Winning Edge. And that's the last question. So when you look at, and I know you have a, a team of people you lead now, and obviously uh, your team and what they do, their success certainly feeds into the success of, of your program there at Hamilton. Uh, but what is the one thing you do as as their leader, as their coach of, of that position uh, that gives them the winning edge? You know, coach, I think it's, it's, it's loyalty. And I think that's not, I think I know, you know, I, I go on the road and I know that loyalty is a, is a main core value and pillar of many cultures in America, whether it's the division one level or pop Warner football um, or, or the NFL or the CFL pro ball. Loyalty is always going to be a part of what people want to build. And, you know, I took the time in, in during the year of COVID, you know, where, where we were working more remotely and had some more time at night to, 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 to think about, you know, this industry and the things that are important to you. And, and to me, loyalty is, is that is that number one pillar for me. And I've had, I had the opportunity to really deep, you know, deep dive in, into what my beliefs are when it comes to that word loyalty and what that means. And, you know, I, I kind of redefined it in my own way. You know, I define loyalty as a long-standing, unbreakable bond that's built upon the foundation of love, unwavering dedication and respect. That's the way that I define loyalty. When you when you break that down even more, there's really four common denominators into every relationship that you have that's loyal, and it's time, it's emotions, um, it's mutuality and commitment, and it's respect. And you know. At the end of the day, whether you're a young man or a young woman in this industry, no one uh, likes to open up the gates to their emotions and, and how they feel about you know their current situation or what their job is or what the industry is and how they've navigated the industry. There's always a feeling of you know I gotta I gotta dip my toes in the water before I jump in, and I think that you know when you when you're able to jump in so to speak, jump into the deep end with, the, with, with your staff. You're able to build those relationships to be loyal ones to where you can have very, very tough conversations. You can have very easy conversations. You could be 1,500 miles away. I could be on the road and someone could be back in the, in the building and having that, 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 that relationship of unwaver, unwavering loyalty with another human being in your department is is critical and i understand now you know throughout my journey 
why when when you're building an organization you're you you're always going to go back to people that you that you've worked with in the past that you've had success with because i think a lot of success in this industry is built on relationships that are loyal and those are rare so when you come across them you got to make sure you always value that relationship and you value that person because once you got a staff that's really loyal to each other and that you know you're going to walk through the the metaphorical gates of hell with these guys mm-hmm. um, and these women and that's that's going to be the group you're going to do it with hell or high water whether if you're if you're floating or if you're on the the the, uh, the Titanic sinking the fact that everyone you know the people in your building the people that you work with are always going to have your back uh, no matter what is is a very powerful place to be to be working in and uh, when you can do that you better bottle that stuff up and put it on the grill and start cooking because you're going to be cooking with gas and you're going to be going in the right direction. So for me, it's, it's, it's loyalty. And I'm always going to have my group of men that I've worked with and women that I've worked with that I'm loyal to. And I know that they're going to be loyal to me and that, you know, whether we're apart when opportunities arise, and we, we grow apart. I know for uh, if an opportunity ever arises to where we can get back together, I always know that it's going to be a great opportunity. And that's, uh, that's probably the, the one thing for me is just to always remember who the people are that, that, that you take care of and, and, and the people that, that take care of you, not only personally, but professionally and day in and day out in the organization. Well, Rich, I appreciate you taking care of me and sending me along some Cats gear. I was wearing my hat the other day and somebody was, I was at the UPS store sending something out, asked me, what, what, what was that? What's on your hat? So I explained to him and Told him about, you know, former player who's a scout now. So uh, definitely proud of, of what you're doing, Richie. And uh, coaches, you can follow him on Twitter. It's at Rich underscore Massaro. That's M-A-S-S-A-R-O. Richie, keep up the good work. Keep growing in this profession. Thank you for taking the time and, and joining me here and sharing some of your perspective on the things you've learned so far along the way. Love it, Coach. I appreciate you having me. I'm glad you're repping the Ticats. we got to get uh, some more CFL gear down in the States and educate everyone about our great game. Please don't forget to register for our sweepstakes, our collaboration with Glazier Clinics. Clinics being back in person this year, they're going to give the winner a Glazier Pass for your staff as well as a flight for two and hotel to any of their locations where they're having their clinics. You'll get a rental car in the mix as well. It's a package worth $1,500 on the travel, another $400 on that staff pass. So again, go to glazierclinics.com slash win to sign up for that. 